There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I'm your host, Tim McKernan. Thanks for tuning in to another interview here on the show. And our interview this week, it's kind of like by request, although I always enjoy the conversation uh, we have when we talk. And it's with uh, Alderman Scott Ogilvie of the 24th Ward. Um, I guess it was about a week ago, maybe a little less that he posted some news. And I uh, was on Twitter right when he posted it, so I immediately went to the link, and he has a website, ward24stl.org. And he announced uh, in what he described here in this upcoming interview that you're about to listen to as pessimistic, but he also made it clear uh, that it's the best job he's ever had. He just wanted to lay out to people, both in his ward and throughout the St. Louis region, his reason for announcing that he will not be running for another term. And I recognize that for people who tune in and, um, you know, I guess at this point, kind of doing the math on the back of the napkin here, since we've done a new interview every week since we started, I would imagine we've done 55 or 56 interviews that I say the person's name and you immediately know who the person is, which is a compliment to the producers who've worked on the show. Um, but with Scott, I also recognize that unlike take your pick of the, the various names, whether they be with the Cardinals or the Blues or Missouri or, you know, in the case of Senator Jack Danforth, Senator Jim Talent, um, that that we're not talking about uh, a household name or some of the media personalities that you've seen on television or heard on radio in St. Louis. But I have found since doing this podcast and then in particular – um, the questions from the audience portion of the podcast each week that I get so many questions about my opinion of the state of St. Louis. What would I do if I were in a position of power? What would uh, be uh, some ideas to improve the region that there is an appetite for this discussion? And when it comes to Scott Ogilvie, um, I think, and I started out the interview this, with this line of questioning, that I think when the Rams thing was going on, he was viewed as uh, one of the enemies for those who wanted to see the city and the state do whatever it took to keep the Rams here. Um, and then I think as time has gone on, that's what I think put him in the spotlight for many county residents who otherwise wouldn't know who the, the, the alderman of the 24th Ward is. Uh, I think when he would talk, people would go, you know what? You know, there might be some policies we would certainly disagree on, but I can tell that when he's talking, he really believes what he says, and he's all in. He's all in both emotionally and, uh, you know, professionally. It was his only job. And so when I posted the link to uh, Alderman Ogilvie's announcement that he would not be seeking reelection, the reaction from many in the audience on the TMA fan page was, man, this was one of the good ones, and we're losing one of the good ones, and that's really disappointing. And he's a, he's a young guy, too, you know? 
Uh, not that that should be here or there, but it's not like he's been doing it for 30 years and he's like, I'm retiring. It was more of a case of he can't stand fundraising for a campaign, and that's just his own personal thing. And I understand, I would imagine a lot of politicians understand that. And then secondarily, he just, it got frustrating for wanting to do things and feeling like he couldn't do them. And he actually made the analogy, uh, his wife works in a hair salon, and he said it would be the equivalent of working in the hair salon and a customer shows up and they want to get their hair styled, their hair cut, whatever the case might be, and you don't have any scissors. And he said that's what it's like working uh, on the board of aldermen in the city of St. Louis. So when he posted that and the reaction it got, a lot of people were like, he'd be great on the podcast. And I said, well, I've had him on the podcast, but things have changed. And he's always just a great, honest conversation. You know, it's kind of like, this is what I think. It might not play well, but this is what I think. So it's it's different than your at least stereotype of a politician. Uh, and on top of it, since he's done, he really doesn't give a damn. That's what I always say when it comes to athletes. The best interviews with athletes are the ones who are either like like Kachuk and Edmonds, for example, in the morning after. They, they, were, they had already made their money and they were just kind of like, I'm going to say whatever and I don't really give a damn. If you're like the guy who's got six months in the league, you're going to mind your P's and Q's. So a politician on his way out of office is the best. And then secondarily, a guy like Scott Ogilvy, who kind of says what he thinks anyway, uh, it made for the perfect circumstance to have him on the show. So uh, Scott Ogilvy is presented to you, as all of our guests are, by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies at uh, 314-889-0503 or online at evergreenstl.com. He is our guest presenting sponsor on the Tim McKernan Show. And I've, I've said to people who will reach out to me, hey, do you, do you know Mark? You know, I mean, are you just doing a spot? And I get that. And I, I never take offense to it because ever since I started in radio and people hear me doing endorsements, they wonder. So like with Metabolic Meals, which I started doing commercials for in 2010, and probably in about 20 minutes, I'll be having Metabolic Meals here eight years later, almost nine years later. Uh, if I don't believe in something, I'm not going to give some big uh, endorsement. That's just, that's just the way I can't do that. I can't do it. So when it comes to Mark, uh, having gotten to know him, and then also knowing my own personal situation where I needed somebody like Mark and I didn't realize I needed him until I got to age 40 and I'm going, oh my God, I didn't manage my money properly. I really passionately want to convey to the audience the importance of having a financial advisor. And this isn't like you have to have like some kind of multi-million dollar uh, asset management scenario here. This, this, is, this could be your, in your late teens or early 20s and just having it organized and just setting aside just the smallest amount of money and what it can mean for you as it compounds over time. It's just so easy. And and I think I think what if I go back to myself in the early twenties, I'm just thinking to myself, not the early twenties, my early twenties, that I'm going, eh, I don't really I don't really need this now. I don't even know what a four oh one K is, who cares? And I want to be able to go out and I want to play poker and bet and travel and like, you know, whatever. I'll make money and I'll save it then. And it's just like, ugh gross. Let somebody who understands the program take care of you. And his name's Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies at 314-889-0503 or check him out online at evergreenstl.com. So Scott Ogilvy, the alderman of the 24th Ward, came into the studios and we talked about a wide variety of topics. Um, but we start out with the discussion on what was the thought process that led him to make the announcement that he would not run for alderman for a third term. 
And this is Scott Ogilvie from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. So, Scott, when you made this announcement, there are a lot of people who I feel like like a couple of years ago when you were at the forefront of not necessarily being on board with the city and the region was attempting to do with the Rams, who now go, this guy, whether I agree with him or disagree with him, he puts it out there. I buy into what he is saying, whether I agree with him or not. And it kind of bothered people. I saw a lot of people writing, we just lost one of our best Alder people. That's what I saw. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's flattering. I mean, uh, I I suppose you know I've tried when I have a you have a little platform as Alderman, and I've tried to tried to use that to get you know my opinion or or what I think is um, an opinion that needs to be heard out there. And so it, it's it's nice to hear that people have been listening sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I think I'll certainly I'll certainly miss having that platform sometimes. I, I'm sure. always curious when someone makes a decision of this magnitude. And, you know, I realize in the whole scheme of things, we're talking about the Board of Aldermen in St. Louis, but still it's significant here to a lot of people listening to this. Um, the thought process that got into it, what you wrote at ward24stl.org uh, really resonated with a lot of people, I thought. Um, but there had to be a process to get to the point where you made the decision and then wrote what you wrote. So if you could give me the context on that. Sure. I mean, well, so I would have had a primary in March of next year. And we were getting into the season where I really needed to start campaigning and start raising money. And I wasn't, I just wasn't feeling 100% about it. And I didn't want to go out, ask people for money without being fully committed to it. That I don't like raising money in the first place. And it just did not feel right to me to, to do that unless I was fully committed to doing um, another campaign. So, you know, as you say, this is not the most important position in the world. It's kind of peanuts in the big scheme of things. But, you know, for me personally, it was just it's a yes or no thing. And I had to decide, well, if I just make a decision now, um, you know, I'm, I got a, I got a kid, a mortgage. I got six months to look for another position uh, rather than just letting it go until the last minute. Um, and also, you know, it, it, making a decision now gives whoever else wants to run, it gives them enough, enough time to consider sure. and figure out if they want to do it. Um, so the, the column I posted, I think was really about <clears throat> explaining uh, the, the, the frustrations and the challenges that I, I clearly, not just me experiences, that, that I think are kind of endemic to the whole uh, system of regional governance. Um, and, you know, I don't know that those challenges are any worse than they were three or four or five years ago. I can't quantify that in any way. Uh, but what I, what I do sense is just th this, this structural problem that, you know, we, we can, we can mess around with, you know, a different program here or a different approach to some topic there. Um, but I don't think that, at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to really reap the results that the region needs to see. So I was, I was hinting at the fact that we need a bigger solution uh, to the challenges within the region. And I, and I think that means a big reorganization of, of local government. Um, that's what my time at City Hall has, has pointed to. Uh, I, I think we have lots of smart, capable people in local government. And I think that largely they're trapped in a... In a in a system that we've arrived at accidentally, but a system that just doesn't work very well. And when you say it's a system that we've arrived at accidentally, 
I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this. And, and man, I, I'll tell you, anytime I do a, a podcast each week, I call questions from the audience. I feel like every one of them is, what do you think about St. Louis? Where do you think we're going? Would you want to see your children grow up here? All these questions. So people are in tune with it. I think way more so than five years ago. And I think a lot of it is, it's kind of like if you want to learn about working out or learn about nutrition, you have to find out the answers before you can then go forward with the solution. You have been on the inside. So many of us have not. When you say the system that we've kind of accidentally arrived in, what is that system? Of a divided city and county, and then a county with, I think, 88 municipalities at this point. And so you have you have this fragmentation of government that has been talked about a lot. But what I think the result is over time is that service delivery to large parts of our region are inadequate and we don't have the right tools to fix those problems because, you know, because of how tax revenue is divided up, because of how there's sort of perverse incentives for, for municipalities to use incentives to move jobs around, um, how we can't apply the level of resources necessary to fix acute problems. Um, and I think near the top of that list is the acute problem of violent crime in the city. Um, I think regionally, we have the resources to do that. We could, you know, if you were pooling all of the tax revenue, you could, you could with a more sort of laser focus and adequate resource delivery, help, uh, I think, you know, catch people committing violent crimes, but also do a lot uh, socially to, you know, to interrupt the cycle of violent crime. And what I... What you experience at City Hall is that, you know, everybody is frustrated and, and beyond frustrated, you know, devastated by the level of violent crime. And yet we don't have we don't have the tax base to deal with to, to do the corrective things we all wish we could do. And we have this dynamic where, you know, the perception is if you move five or ten miles you can insulate yourself from the problem, but that is, that's not the way you create a healthy functional region. Now, you know, some type of unified government is not going to be a silver bullet or a panacea to solve every problem, but it is, I think, the first step to being, to being able to address those fundamental problems that, you know, I think basically everybody in, in the St. Louis region recognizes we have. You might say, well, this was kind of irrelevant to what I'm talking about, or you might go, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I thought it was relevant, and I don't know where you are on this. So the St. Louis County executive race, a very tight race, um, and Mark Montavani at least talked about in some capacity change. I know when he was in here, he was on our show and on the podcast two different times, and he enthused our audience, I think, in a similar way that, that your comments enthused, although I wouldn't necessarily say they're one and the same, but they indicate a desire for change, and and he lost. What did you think of the St. Louis County executive race? Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting race. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I'm sort of surprised Manavani did as well as he did, being a you know, first-time candidate. Um, and what was on the ballot? Exactly. And The union uh, vote. Right to work, um, and, you know, Manavani running a Democratic primary with sort of a Republican background. But the fact that he did as well as he did, and he was talking about those things, I think is an indication that perhaps people in St. Louis County are more ready to hear about this stuff and talk about this stuff than they would have been uh, a decade ago. And, you know, that that is a good thing. And I don't I don't really have a strong opinion on that. But 
if Manavani was out there saying, yeah, it's time to consider reorganizing, reorganizing local government, and he, you know, got, what, 49.5%, yeah. um, I, I think that's an indication that it's not, um, you know, it's not political suicide in the county to be out saying those things anymore. When you say the, the unification of the governments isn't necessarily the silver bullet, the panacea, we sit in here, we sit on the radio, columnists write, we talk about the problems, but oftentimes people don't necessarily have an idea for a solution. You've been in the business of at least trying for solutions, uh, which I think is probably one of the things that frustrated when you couldn't necessarily deliver them for circumstances out of your control. In an ideal world, so we're talking idealistic more so than pragmatic, but in an ideal world, what would you say are some of the elements of solution for St. Louis in the region? Uh, what I think is the city and county ought to be one big city of 1.3 million people. We'd be one of the 10 largest cities in the country. You pool all those resources, you have one um, you know, well-resourced police department, you get rid of all these kangaroo municipal courts that prey on people throughout St. Louis County. Um, you know, you train your police department to the highest standards and expect the most of them and compensate them fairly. Uh, you provide an equitable level of service across the whole region. You know, right now, <clears throat> you know, whether your sidewalks get fixed, whether your the grass in your park gets cut, um, you know, clearly school districts, I'm going to leave school districts out of this maybe for a minute, but, but there's all these other um, categories of service the government delivers and they are vastly, vastly different depending on where you live within this region. And, you know, is that fair? You know, I, I'm, I don't, the, the longer I look at it, the less and less fair it seems. And it seems that we've got, it's just a historical accident, right? The city and county separated in 1876. Had that not happened, we would most likely be in a situation where uh, we were one big city. And then you had this proliferation of municipalities that quite honestly at the time was was the formation of municipalities was driven largely not entirely but largely by racism and white flight and an attempt to for people you know middle class people to insulate themselves um from black people which is a a terrible legacy and now we're living with that legacy and you know i question should we maintain that legacy and try to fix it? Or should we start with something uh, newer where, and the other thing it does, you know, we're not, because we're in different municipalities and we're the city and county have different governments, it's impossible for the region, it's impossible for all the voters and residents of the region to sit at the same table mm. and work problems out uh, together and determine a direction together because, you know, I can't vote in St. Louis County and you can't vote in St. Louis city and, both those entities are making their own individual policies and it leads to, you know, it's led to, I think, a lot of negative things. And we all have this sense. I mean, talk to anybody. We all have this sense that St. Louis is not doing as well as it could be doing. And it, it, I am just more convinced than ever that the structure of, of our regional government is a big contributing factor to that, um, that underperformance. Hope you're enjoying our conversation with Alderman Scott Ogilvie. Those of you who always ask questions for questions for the audience regarding my opinion of uh, the city of St. Louis, the region. Listen, I'm happy to fire off an opinion, but, uh, you know, as things stand right now, I'm, uh, I'm simply an observer just like everybody else. And so I, I like to get the perspective of somebody who's actually in there, who's a member 
of the board of aldermen or who has served or has worked in the, you know, uh, capital, whether that be Jefferson City or Washington, D.C., to really get uh, that perspective. And so I'm grateful for Scott coming into the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. And I'm grateful to Ryan Kelly for sponsoring because without Ryan, we don't have a podcast. And he has been our podcast studio sponsor from the very beginning. He's been our radio sponsor from the very beginning, going back, oh, seven, eight years. Uh, and, and, you know, with Ryan, people go, well, you know, I can go to a bunch of different places. Why would I go to Ryan? So I'm happy to answer the question. First off, as you may have heard when he was a guest on the show, man, does he know the business? And I kind of just was like, he just knows how to market, you know, and he markets better than anybody. And then when we have the conversation about the business and then his work ethic, and I'm going, okay, this is why he's been, it's not just a guy who came up with a great commercial. This is a guy who knows his business and has worked incredibly hard and continues to work incredibly hard to save the customer money. And whether that be on buying a home or refinancing, he's the person to go to his company, thehomeloanexpert.com. He's our sponsor, but he's also a guy I know I can count on and a guy I know I can recommend to the audience to take great care of you. Online at thehomeloanexpert.com, Ryan Kelly. I have two questions. Usually I try to separate them, but I'm worried I'll forget one of them. So I'm going to ask them both and you can answer them however you'd like. Number one, even though I realize you're a Dogtown guy and you represent the 24th Ward here for the next uh, five or six months, um, what would you say to the person living in Chesterfield or Kirkwood as we sit here uh, or wherever, North County, South County, uh, to convey what their benefits would be if there was a unification? Uh, and then my second question would be, what kind of process needs to take place in order for it actually to occur. For example, I don't know if Mark Montavani could have been elected and say, okay, we're going to unify. There's, there's sure. more to it. So those are my two questions. Um, you know, I don't want to be naive about this. I think it's a tougher sell in, in some parts of the county, um, you know, particularly the more affluent parts or the newer parts, which don't have these sort of legacy issues that they're dealing with. Um, however, I, I would, in order to, to make that pitch, I would say that the reality is, you know, we all live within this region. Few, not many people spend their entire day or their entire work week in Kirkwood all the time and never leave. Um, you interact with the rest of the region and the, the problems and challenges of the region affect uh, St. Louis County. You know, maybe not directly when you're at home watching TV at night, but they affect the economic health of the county. They affect... Um, they affect the job growth of the county. They affect the the population stagnation. All of these things. You don't have, you know, in the long run, you can't have a healthy Kirkwood without a healthy region. You can't have a healthy Chesterfield without, you know, economic power and buying power within the region. And, uh, you know, downtown is in downtown St. Louis. Uh, the city owns the airport. Um, Imagine, I would, my pitch to them would be, imagine a situation where things get really bad in the city. What if, what if there's a municipal bankruptcy in the city and the ability for the city to provide services, you know, declines much further? That's a catastrophe for the whole region. Um, you know, that, 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 that will not be a, that'll be a situation that prevents outside investment, that prevents business growth, that leads, um, you know, leads companies to, to shift investment to other cities. 
and that's going to hurt everybody. Uh, you know, whether whether you live in Chesterfield or in Dogtown or in Kirkwood, and I think that residents of places like Kirkwood and Chesterfield need to be need to be cognizant that their ultimate future and destiny is tied to the destiny of the rest of the region. Um, so how do things, second question, how do things change? Uh, you know, there's actually, there's a process within the Missouri constitution already, uh, to facilitate that change, um, which the city and county, if they wanted to, could, could, uh, could begin that process at any time. The, the alternative is to amend the Missouri constitution. Um, and, and the, the Missouri constitution governs the establishment of cities and counties. And if the constitution was changed, you could, you could combine city and county that way. Um, constitutional changes require a vote of the entire state and, uh, that's what it would take. So <clears throat> you could, you could arrange the details, you know, in any of a hundred ways. Um, and you have some type of transition period, but uh, it, it, in a nutshell, there's going to have to be a public vote. It'll either be a public vote of residents of the city and county or a public vote of the entire state uh, to amend the Missouri Constitution. And, and you, could, uh, you could do a big combination. It would be, it would be uh, a big change. It would sort of be, be like hitting the reset button. Um, and legally, all it would take was 51% of Missouri residents uh, to do that. What is the appetite for this with your peers at the Board of Aldermen? Um, I think, I would say it's mixed. I, I don't think there's um, certainly not 100% consensus. But, and, and I think the, a lot of the doubts uh, are largely around feeling like people lose representation or lose access to, um, you know, to their aldermen or, you know, in St. Louis County to the, to their mayor of, you know, the town with a thousand people. Um, and I think we got to, I, I would say that's driven sort of by fear, right? That things could get worse. So you'll lose some aspect of something you like, or there's an identity in St. Louis that you feel like would be, we would lose if we were part of a bigger city. Um, so I think we kind of have to acknowledge those fears and then we have to talk about uh, how to move beyond them and what the benefits and payoff would be um, of, you know, of change. And I kind of, you know, we all, we're all kind of like hoarders a little bit, right? We, we keep things around in the basement. We think, well, I've had this thing for a long time. I might use it again. Uh, but we all know there's sort of this, and it can be hard to, to take things out to the alley and put them in the dumpster. But we all know there's a psychological benefit and this freshness you feel when you get rid of the junk. And I think that's type of the, situ the type of situation we're in where we have all this governmental junk we have accumulated and we need to, it might be hard for a minute, <laughs> but when we cleanse ourselves of a lot of that, I think um, we will have a much better, fresher perspective on the future. Specific to you and your experience, um, you made the analogy, your wife works at a hair salon, correct? Yeah. And you said uh, to her, what would it be like if somebody showed up 
for an appointment and you said, I didn't have any scissors, but if you wait around, we might have some scissors. <laughs> you said that's kind of like what it's, what it's like being an alderman in the city sure. of St. Louis. I thought that was brilliant. Uh, I'd love to hear you elaborate on it. it yeah, it's it's the sense of, you know, the, the system in St. Louis is uh, often, you know, not all the time, but often when people need something or they need help with some issue, they go to their alderman and a lot of times you can help them. But sometimes you end up in this, you know, this weird situation where you feel like the city can deliver the service and it just doesn't happen. And that's a dynamic that I found, you know, over time grew to be more and more frustrating because you don't like to disappoint people. I mean, you want when people need assistance with something, you want to help them. And when it doesn't work, uh, it, it gets to you. And part of the issue in St. Louis is that you know, we, the aldermen are often the, the face of local government, but we're not in charge, directly in charge of anything. So when I need a department to, to do something or, um, you know, sort of do me a favor to get something done quickly because it's important, if they don't do it, I don't really have any recourse mm-hmm. um, to, to get them to do it. And that's not to say, I mean, I always, <laughs> I'm always quick to say, I'm not here to like bash or criticize city departments because I see, you know, most of the time I see people working very hard and doing their best. And sometimes I see city employees doing things that are honestly heroic, going above and beyond all the time. But even that heroicism can't always keep up with the level of need that is out there. And that's, um, you know, it's, I would, it's gotten to me a little bit, um, so that's, that's, gotten that's, that's like, the like the fact that people are asking you can't deliver. Is that, is that what you're saying? It's gotten to you? Yeah. 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 And I think, um, and I, I think the underlying issue there, it's not, it's certainly not a lack of effort, but it's a lack of tax base and resources to do, to get the problems fixed is, is often the real issue. And, you know, uh, probably don't have time to do a full analysis of, you know, why we have a stagnant tax base in the city, but there are really structural problems now to, to correcting that. Um, and so I don't see, you know, I'd say it's, it's sort of equal odds at this point, whether it gets a little better or a little worse, but there are major structural issues at play that, um, you know, I don't see us correcting without some some serious regional change. Uh, you you went out of your way uh, to note that it's not one person's fault, as you as you wrote at ward24stl.org. When something goes wrong, people will blame the mayor, as the case might be, um, and that's just the way that people are. And what you're trying to explain is it's a system and not an individual. How would Absolutely. you describe your relationship and your your position on Lida Cruz and what about a year and change into her? Yeah. I mean, well, I, my relationship with her is, I mean, we were, we were friends and colleagues when she was on the board of Alderman. Our wards are adjacent. There was a number of things we worked together on. Um, and, you know, but I, I think, uh, I think every mayor has just from day one, this very uphill battle they face because they, you know, they inherit, you know, all the things we've been talking about. Um, and in, I think in particular, um, it's been a, a, a challenge for her, given, you know, the social unrest and, um, the, the, uh, non-conviction, 
um, that happened last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been those things, I think, consumed that office uh, at the beginning of her term. And, uh, you know, I think she's getting her head sort of back above water now. Um, but here, getting your head back above water means, you know, you go out and you survey the landscape and you've still got all these uh, endemic problems. So um, that's what I mean by, you know, mayors are, are people. They're, they're not magicians. And uh, no matter how hard, I think no matter how hard any mayor in St. Louis is trying, um, they're up against, you know, the same stiff headwind that is, is going to, it's going to be a challenge to overcome for anybody. I recall, and I don't know if it was when you were in or if it was another older person in, but I remember hearing, and this may have been off air, that there was just kind of a tense time at the board of aldermen, uh, and that there was like some social media shade going on and people were just <laughs> like, what is going on with that? And that was kind of tilting. How, how are things as we sit and talk in October of 2018? Um, I, it, it's about the same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's just kind of ju- I mean, I say it's kind of juvenile, and then you see, then you look at the the, the national level, and I'm like, right. well, I don't know if it gets any more juvenile, but but you know, to have that stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I can play philosopher for a second, I mean, I, I think the whole like the whole world is figuring out how you how we deal with this just totally different level of media. I mean, uh, it's a very new thing when you have you know an unkind thought to be able to direct it directly at the person you're thinking about and and know that they're probably going to see it and read it um and but what does it accomplish i mean I'm, and again we're talking philosophy we're not talking yeah. st louis per se i'm just like what does that what does that get done if your actually goal is to get something done i don't know what it gets done oh it's usually like, i i think it i think it drives people apart i don't think right. it, gets, it gets anything done i mean i i think it may make people feel better a second for a second to to say something mean or get something off their chest or whatever but um you know, it cannot be uh, a good development in, you know, American culture, the history of the world that, you know, we just say mean things about each other online all the time. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know how, maybe we'll learn, you know, maybe we'll yeah. adapt. Humans are adaptable, but, and I mean, clearly the, the example at the top these days is, you know, is, is, no different than the example from the the gutter these days. And so it, it's bad. I mean, um, and, and I think it, I would say at the local level, what's different uh, compared to the national level is, you know, a lot of times we know the people. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody says something mean, uh, you might see them in the grocery store, you know, the next day. So that's, that's what... If, if there's a different dynamic locally versus nationally, that's what it is, is that it, it feels very personal uh, when people are, are harsh. The first time I met with James Carlton, he said, hey, I'd really like you to come by the office. And I said, okay, I'll be happy to come by the office. I would imagine this is going to be an office, so I don't really know why, but I will do it. And then I went and then I understood it because he's got his office in Webster Groves and, and you see what he has going on. This is a big insurance office, but it's one agency. And the thing about it with, with James is he does it with the number of people that he does on his staff to make sure that you as the customer getting the best customer service possible, and you are going to be able to save money on your insurance. 
And I, I would imagine, I would hope, everybody listening right now has insurance. And you probably go, yeah, I know, I know a person. And whatever, I don't care, and I don't really need you to sell me on insurance. And I get it. I don't blame you. Uh, and then you start working with James, and you go, okay, now I get the difference. And there is a difference. And there's a big difference, actually. Uh, and it's not really a shot at the people I've worked with in the past at all. It's just an appreciation for the diligence and the customer service and the ways to save money that James Carlton can provide that others just don't. And it's that simple. And that's why he is the person that I speak so highly of here. His number is 314-961-4800, or you can see him online at carltoninsurance.net. That's carltoninsurance.net. He's going to save you money. He's going to provide you with customer service that you're not going to find anywhere else. And, and, and he's just somebody that I'm telling you, you know, if, if James said, you know what, I'm done advertising on the podcast, I go, well, that, that's, that's disappointing, but it's not going to change my opinion. This guy knows this business and it's important. Like I said, I don't think I had an appreciation for it uh, until I started working with him. I'm like, wow, this guy really does know this business and there is a huge difference on the customer. 314-961-4800 to go online at carltoninsurance.net, James Carlton. A couple of things that I, I saw you tweet about here last week with the announcement regarding MLS that at first glance uh, you liked what you saw, if I'm paraphrasing properly. I don't know since that announcement if you've had a chance to look into it more, but overall your thoughts on what has transpired with the Taylor family and Jim Cavanaugh and the new effort for an MLS team. Yeah, I, I would say so far so good. So if we if we go back and remember there was a Board of Aldermen passed a, a bill that authorized a public vote that would have created uh, some new revenue for a soccer stadium uh, last time. I think the vote was about 53 against, 47-4, so something along those lines. Um, and so it's clear that, you know, there's some level of support even for, for public financing of a stadium. The new proposal um, uh, via the Taylor family um, basically only gets public revenue off the site via what amount to user fees on tickets or concessions. There's no uh, sort of additional obligation to the city to pay for anything. So they're, they're putting uh, more capital in on the front end and I think are willing to um, take on you know, more of the, the maintenance of the facility. And um, I think the things to really like about the proposal, much like the last proposal, it's a very good use of that site, which is a, it's a completely unnecessary highway exit um, that we want to get rid of anyway. It's sunken in the ground. So it's hard to think of any potential use for that area uh, beyond a big project like this. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think given that the, that funding, not that much is asked from the city, um, the burdens on the tailors and ticket buyers to pay for most of it. I think it's going to get a very favorable reception at city hall. Um, and I, I think it'll probably mostly be up to, uh, the MLS to, to make a decision on where the next two teams go. Another topic I see discussed quite a bit. Uh, and I'm curious where you are on this is the privatization of the airport, your view on that discussion. <laughs> yeah, this one, you know, I, I think it is suffering intensely from, uh, how this thing got underway. Um, you know, to me, it, it is like a, a public relations nightmare when you've got, um, 
when you've got the people pushing for privatization, you know, also potentially benefiting from it directly, uh, I don't think, you know, within the city of St. Louis, uh, Rex Singfield is sort of persona non grata. Um, he's got a lot of big ideas on how the city should be run, but you get the sense that he doesn't really have any skin in the game and doesn't necessarily have um, a sense of how his ideas affect real people, you know, uh, real residents and city employees. Um, so, you know, it, it, <laughs> it worries me that these types of proposals really erode confidence in everything City Hall does. Um, and I don't know how this one's going to pan out. I mean, presumably we're going to, presumably at the end of this, there'll be a proposal to pay the city a bunch of money to take over operations at the airport. And I think it's going to be a question of what our price is. You know, um, we run the airport at a profit right now. We've got underutilized runway space and underutilized land there. My, you know, I, I think we could probably lease a lot of that space and runway time. My preference would be that we, that we at least keep the, um, the commercial flight operations. Uh, those should remain publicly. The oversight should be public on that. If we want to lease space for, you know, an online distribution center or something like that, um, maybe we could lease part of the airport, but but the, the danger right now is is that the public um, views this as a very rigged game, and you know that's I mean, from, that is all I've heard from mm -hmm. residents. I've not heard a single favorable comment on this proposal. So Do you far. think it's a rigged game? Well, uh, I think it's partially rigged. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think you know when the consultants only get only get paid if a deal happens, you know, they, it's hard to view that as an impartial, um, impartial endeavor. Yeah, that's, that's certainly fair to, uh, to wonder about. And I, I've certainly seen that criticism. That's why I was curious. Cause I know you'll always shoot it straight and you'll say, listen, man, this is, this is uh, certainly strange. You know, when you talk about what we've seen with St. Louis and then there's aspiration for it to become a unified government and people will point to Nashville and Indianapolis, are those fair apples to apples? comparisons or do you see it having been in the trenches and are in the trenches as well yeah there's 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 reasons for comparisons but here are some differences and why it might not be the same yeah you know the the example i really like actually is toronto um toronto has a little bit different system where the provinces or the states in canada uh have more control over the cities but ontario the state that um toronto is in forced a consolidation on toronto even over the heads of what local politicians and um, and residents wanted, and they, they did it in a couple phases. They um, they merged a bunch of suburbs first, mm -hmm. and then they did uh, later on. They did a bigger merger where they merged the suburbs with the city. Um, they also merged all the school districts, which um, is maybe even a step beyond what you could imagine happening here. And there was some heartburn at the time. The, the when big, did they do this? Do you the, well, they did it in steps, but yeah. the, the last big step was in uh, the early 90s okay. when they merged the suburbs and the school districts. So they've got, so now Toronto, but <laughs> Toronto is now a city of 3 million people. It's the most international city in the world, on the globe. Um, it's been a, a beacon for immigration. It's booming. I mean, the economy in Toronto is booming. 
uh, construction is booming, population is increasing, um, and public services are good. I mean, Canada, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but I mean, they have a, a tiny violent crime rate. I mean, life is good there. Like the merger worked and, and it works. So this is, this does tie into St. Louis because it works even though Toronto elected a complete goofball as, as mayor. Uh, you had, you know, Rob Ford, is, remember him. Um, the system was robust enough that, that the city continued to prosper despite the fact that they had a clown at, at the top. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like that example because it's just, uh, it's 100% a success story and, um, and it, it's, it's aspirational. Um, so, and, you know, Nashville and and Indy are, are a little bit closer examples, um, that work as well. But, you know, I think, I like the Toronto example better because I want to, I want to picture us as a, as a bigger, you know, more global city that I, you know, I think we still have the potential to be if we, if we are a city of 1.3 million people. Yeah. I, I wonder with regard to the metropolitan area, I had Vince Shamel in here, the former mayor, and he was, and I don't know what your views are on, on, on Vince Shamel, but one of the things that he said he thought that was an issue for St. Louis is unlike some of these other places, a healthy percentage of the population lives on the other side of the river, Illinois, or if you wanted to take it a step further with St. Charles County and, and sure. Missouri River. And that's something that the ideal scenario for St. Louis is to view it more of a region as opposed to the city and county, because it is when you include the Metro East and St. Charles County. I, I, I don't know what the, the solution to it is. That's something that a lot of these places that we talk about don't deal with. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think having a, a metro region that's in two states just adds another level of complexity to everything you do. I, I think, um, yeah, I think uh, by state and the Metrolink system are the perfect concrete example of how this works. You know, we all know that there are security issues on Metrolink, and unraveling how you fix that is this incredibly complicated thing because you're dealing with uh, you're dealing with by state is was created by an act of Congress that uh, gives them certain rights, but certain limitations and what what they can do. One of those limitations is they can't have their own police force. So you've got city police, county police, you've got uh, police and sheriffs in Illinois uh, doing security, and just just the challenges of getting you know cross jurisdictional ability to make arrests and do prosecutions. That's been this thing that, you know, what does the public want? They want a safe public transit system. Mm. And, you know, we are banging our heads against the wall trying to figure out just how to do this basic stuff like police the public transit system. And so, yeah, I think, I think having a metro region in two states is, is certainly harder uh, than having one in one state. And I think it's an indication that where we can eliminate these additional layers of complexity, we should do it. And we can't, you know, we're always going to be Missouri and they're always going to be Illinois, but we can work on the, the region within Missouri. Final question for you. You finished your, uh, your, your column, so to speak, by saying, well, I'm looking for a job now. <laughs> I mean, it, it, from my standpoint, it's like, God, St. Louis, St. Louisans have this resource with you. And now it's like, oh, you're going to go into, I guess, something else. I don't know, unless this is, uh, 
I, I don't some other way that you would somehow still be involved. What do you visualize doing? I'm open to a lot of things. I mean, I, I would love to stay involved in uh, local government or in some agency in some way. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm going to be op- optimistic. Um, there's nothing like knowing when your last paycheck, you're going to get your last paycheck to, uh, <laughs> Race against to, to motivate you. Yeah, yeah but um, I would I, I would be very happy to stay in public service in some capacity. Okay. So we'll see. So you're not necessarily completely off the radar in St. Louis politics. Oh, I don't think. No, I don't, uh, maybe in politics for a little while, but um, in government, I'd, I'd love to keep being involved in government. I mean, this has been, I wrote sort of a, pessimistic <laughs> letter, right? Dealing with the, the frustrations and challenges. But um, honestly, this has been, I mean, by far my favorite, the, the best job of my life so far. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm, I look back fondly on the, the things I've learned and the things we have been able to accomplish. And also like the, the good feeling you get when something works and you help somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the new, the, the, the things you get to see and investigate and the people you meet, there's been tons of great stuff about this job, and I'd love to be in a job in government where I just have maybe a little bit narrower focus and a, a clearer mission. So okay. we'll, hopefully that pans out. Is it a mayoral campaign coming down the road? Nope. No, you, that was an insta-call. I'm a poker player, and I picked up a body language tell that that is absolutely not in play. <laughs> he, like, backed away from the table when I said it. Uh, Scott, always great to have the conversation. I love just talking and getting your perspective on it from in the trenches. I know our audience appreciates it well. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, guys. Great. Take care. Thank you. So there it is, my conversation with 24th Ward Alderman Scott Ogilvie here on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. We thank Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies for presenting all of our guests on the program and today presenting Scott Ogilvie of the 24th Ward in the city of St. Louis. So those are that's one of those conversations where, you know, it's, it's John Mazalek said when he popped on TMA one time, just listening and learning, and I'm listening and I'm learning. Um, and I think, I think it's in vogue to kind of shit on the city of St. Louis uh, by St. Louis. Now, if you're not from St. Louis and you shit on the city of St. Louis, all hell's going to break loose. But in, in here, and by here I mean both the city, the county, the region, it's kind of like, yeah, it sucks. You know, we got the Cardinals, best fans in baseball. But, you know, I just... I don't know. Maybe I'm delusional and maybe I am. Maybe I really, really am. But I'm telling you, I still believe that there is a period of greatness that this region is going to experience a resurgence. But I'm looking at it from the sidelines. You know, I'm in the stands. And in the case of Scott, you know, he was in the arena, as Teddy Roosevelt said. So I like hearing his perspective. Um, and even though he certainly, I, I really think when it gets down to it, and I left one out there, it's like I talk about when they interviewed Bill DeWitt and I'd ask him about the blue caps, and you might be going, God, how dumb would that have been? But for me, it was important. So it might be dumb, but it was important. With Scott, I, would, I should have asked, and I was thinking about asking, but then we kept talking, and then I forgot about it. If it could be as simple as you don't have to go out and raise money for your campaign, would you stay on board? And at first, I thought the answer to that would be yes, because clearly he just hates that, and as he said, he's just not, it's just not something that he had the appetite to go and do. But then the more I thought about it, I think he's more worn down by the fact that he wants to be able to deliver for, you know, the people in his ward. And he just kept feeling like he, he wasn't able to do it. And it just wore him out. And that's really disappointing, especially when you feel like you have a solution. 
Now, you realize the solution, which would be the unification of the city and county, is not like some, you know, two-foot putt. You know, it's a, it's a hell of a process. But you can see what it would take, and then you believe what it would do and how it would improve so many people's lives and not just the people in the city. And that's the thing I keep going back to. But I also understand it's an, as he made reference to with, with anybody who takes over in the mayor's office, it's, it's an uphill climb because you're inheriting problems, but you're also trying to build while you're treading water. And, uh, and I think that's at the root of it for him. But I liked hearing the candor and I, and I hope you did as well. Um, you know, we've had older woman, Megan Green in, um, that's the second time Scott's been in, um, Kara Spencer has been in studio on TMA, um, I'm trying to think, I know we've tried to get Lida Cruson on the show. We haven't been able to do it. Mark, Mark Montavani certainly was on. And it's just, you know, some of these times, these interviews that, well, I mean, at this point now I know, but when I was first doing it, where I was first doing questions from the audience and I'm like, I mean, I'll just be candid with you. When, when Mark Montavani's staff emailed me about coming on the show, uh, they kept bringing up the fact that he went to St. Louis U high. And I was like, I don't know who this gentleman is. Uh, and I kind of felt like you're trying to get him in and get to our audience by like using the St. Louis U high thing. Like as if he went to Viani, I'd be like, no, sir. But oh, he went to SLU. So I'm in. It's just, you know, so I'm glad that we had him in and then we had him in. And the response that interview got was so much more significant than I ever anticipated. Uh, and, and then it made me aware that for the audience of this podcast, which certainly was not the goal when I set out to do it, I just like having conversations with people. Um, but that the, there's an appetite amongst the audience for these conversations about St. Louis, which I just truly up until starting to do this, I was unaware of. And, um, and so when Scott announced that he was not going to seek a third term, immediately people said, Hey, can you get him in? And so, People wanted to have them in. I love having the conversation. I looked forward to doing the interview, and I uh, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Even if in some capacity, it's it's depressing, I suppose. But I don't know. I I feel like it'd be depressing if you like for me. Like I talk about race in St. Louis being a problem. I don't have any idea what the solution is. I have, I mean, how do you fix people's mindsets outside of having a, ch- a chance to? To, to, to live, work, and hang out together, you know? I just don't know how that's going to change. It, so it sucks, but I don't have a solution. So I can bitch about it all day, but if I don't have a solution, it's kind of like, well, you know, fuck you. You sit here and bitch about it, but you're not offering a solution. When it comes to St. Louis, I feel like we do have the opportunity for a solution, and it is the unification of the city and the county. And so in that capacity, now that there is not only an appetite for these discussions, but I thought what he pointed out regarding the Stanger-Montavani race was was really if there's a piece of information in there that might be uh, hidden amongst the conversation it would be that that he almost won and he was running on a platform of change um and he was you know viewed by many as a republican running in a democratic primary uh and then also running uh at the time when a lot of people viewed him as pro right to work when right to work was on the ballot um so it wasn't exactly the ideal circumstances for him to win, and yet he almost won, which then tells you, as Scott Ogilvie said, that there that it is not some kind of political death sentence to run on a platform of change in St. Louis County in 2018. That's 
something that I take away from it. And I think there's some great merit to that. So as always, I welcome your feedback. I love getting the feedback of the audience. T. McKernan at Inside Us. I always say, uh, assuming I get the email, um, I read them. Uh, a lot of them oftentimes are, are long, but I still like reading them. I just sometimes feel badly that people will write like 2,000 words, and then I just write like five sentences and uh, and I hope no one takes offense to that, but I want you to know that I did read it. It's like Charlie Marlowe liking every tweet he gets so people know that he, he read the tweet. I'm not at that level, but I do like to respond to all of my emails, even if I don't respond with the same, uh, you know, uh, size of, of, of an email. I like getting the feedback. I like criticism. I'm all for it. Fire away, man. Uh, it's just if it gets personal, then it, then it kind of takes away from the message. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Always enjoy doing the interviews, the questions from the audience. Love giving football picks that are inaccurate every Friday on Pick 6. It's all part of the Tim McKernan Show without Ryan Kelly and the HomeLoanExpert.com, without James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, without Mark Hanna and Evergreen Wealth Strategies, without Tom Schmidt and Salt and Smoke and his catering at Salt and Smoke online at SaltandSmokeSTL.com, and without Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at I-270 and the Washington Elizabeth Exit. And online at Landoff.com and Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling. We have no podcast, so please support the sponsors. And if you've noticed the podcast is getting more popular, please get on board with the podcast. We'd love to have you as a sponsor. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com is how you can reach me. All right. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Scott Ogilvie. For Gangster Pete, for Iggy, the producers of this fine presentation, I'm Tim McKernan. It's been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.